being not just a department store Santa and not just some well-meaning man with a pillow in his belt and a fake beard on his face, but the real Santa Claus. It represents a Christmas dream come true. And now I recognize that we live in a very skeptical society. And we have every reason to be skeptical. We all know people who make false and fraudulent claims. But despite the skepticism, there is something about the story that catches our attention and draws us in. We're invited to reconsider some propositions that perhaps we thought were settled long ago in our childhood. And as I watch this old black and white movie, it just draws you back in. And I can remember. As that story unfolds, the childish hope springs forth that brings Kris Kringle really to be Santa Claus. It begins to open up some incredible, amazing opportunities. Could he really be? What if he is? And if he is who he says he is, how sad not to be recognized. How tragic to be thought a fraud. One of the scenes in the movie is Miss Walker talking to Chris Kringle. She's asking a lot of questions. She's very skeptical herself, been burned in a bad marriage relationship, beautiful daughter, single parent. And yet some of the questions that she raises are applicable, not only to just Chris Kringle, but some of the same kinds of questions are asked about this miracle of Christmas. Was who, who is this baby lying in the manger? Could he really be who everyone says he is? What if he is? Richard Kitchens, profound, noted atheist, passed away a week or so ago to his deathbed, claimed God did not exist. I would love to have a brief conversation with him and let him tell me if he's describing what, he's, what Luke 16 described for us, that those that are outside of God will be in torment in these flames. I wonder. Makes you wonder. I love the Gospel of John. We're going to read some Scripture. I'm going to read some Scripture. Hope you'll listen. I'm in John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there and follow with me in John chapter 1. We're going to look at two sections of Scripture, verses 1 through 5, and then we'll jump down to verses 9 through 14. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. I love that verse. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter what you look at, doesn't matter what you hope is there. It happened because Jesus created it. And you might say, well, Jesus didn't mention in Genesis 1-1. Oh, yes, He is. When God said, let us make man in our 
own image. It's a plural word. So there's more than one. There's a Father, the Son, the Spirit. They're there. But nothing was created. God created nothing that He wasn't a part of. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now jump down to verse 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and they even rejected Him. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So the big question to be answered in the miracle on 34th Street is also the big question as we consider the birth and life of Jesus Christ. Is it a question of identity? Who exactly is this child we find in that manger in Bethlehem that today we celebrate? Well, he starts out by making some astonishing claims. Could he be who he claims to be? This old gentleman with a white beard and a friendly smile claims to not just be Santa, but the Santa, Chris Kringle, St. Nicholas, uh, the one and only Santa Claus. We can't help but smile as we consider the possibility. Something within us compels us to want to believe it. Of course, we really know better, don't we? Another clip from the movie shows Susan, the daughter of Miss Walker, meeting Chris Kringle for the first time in the Macy's store. And he looks at her and he says, you don't really believe in me that I'm real. And she said, that's right. Uh, I don't want anything. I don't want any gifts from you. My mother will get me all that I need. And so she was skeptical. She was questioning the real Santa. Could he do all those things? If not, then he's merely a nice man with a long white beard. But consider for a moment this miracle of the manger and the astonishing claims made regarding this child. Into the humblest of circumstances, Jesus is born. His mother, an ordinary young girl named Mary, his birthplace, a stable a barn in a small, obscure little town called Bethlehem. Yet Jesus came making astonishing claims that centered on his identity. He claimed to be sent from God, the Son of God, and even one with God. The angel announced to the shepherds that this boy, this baby, was Christ the Lord in Luke 2, 11. As an adult, Jesus claimed to be the bread of heaven, the living water that alone can satisfy our deepest hungers. Jesus claimed the authority to forgive our sins and to offer freely His grace and mercy. Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection, and the only hope of escaping God's judgment, the only path to eternal life. Astonishing claims. He claimed all authority in heaven and on earth. He, he promised to return to judge the world in righteousness. 
These are radical claims. What do you make of those? There are some who would ignore them altogether. There are those who, while being very respectful of Jesus, don't take his astonishing claims seriously. And we may have some in our church here that really don't take it serious. The religion of Islam teaches that Jesus was a prophet and a teacher. The Hindu religion teaches that Jesus is one of many to find God. Many people want to admire Jesus from a distance. But when it comes right down to it, he's just a nice man with a beard. C.S. Lewis explained. If you've not read anything by C.S. Lewis, you need to. His book, Mere Christianity, will open your heart, open your eyes. But he explained that Jesus did not leave us the option of just respecting him as a good, noble teacher. His own claims leave no room for that position, even though it is very popular. We really have only three options concerning what to, what to make of these astonishing claims of Jesus. Either he was who he claimed to be, the Lord of all, or he made these claims knowing that they were false, and uh, therefore he was a liar. Or third... He made these claims because he believed them to be true, but in reality they were not, which makes him deceived or a lunatic. When it comes to the astonishing claims made by Jesus, there are only three conclusions that we can choose from. He is the Lord, a liar, or a lunatic. He cannot be just a nice man with a beard. Astonishing claims that have staggering implications. What if he is who he claims to be? Part of the drama of this movie is that increasing evidence that shows perhaps that Kris Kringle is really Santa. Every character in the story has to decide for themselves what they believe about Kris Kringle. Some want the old man declared insane and put away. Many others are ready to support him as the real Santa Claus. In fact, there's a clip in the movie that asks the question, do you believe in Santa Claus? And they scream out, we believe, we believe. We all believe on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. My granddaughter was informing me that Santa painted her doll the wrong color. <laughs> but we're going to have to talk to Santa about that. That sounds like a GG problem. <laughs> Do you believe? Do you believe? What about this child born in Bethlehem? What if his claims are true? Think for a moment about that, those incredible implications. What if there is that awesome someone who knows your name, who knows when you are sleeping, knows when you're awake, and yes, He knows when you've been bad or good, and yet, He loves you and longs for you to know and to love Him. In fact, He wants to spend forever with you. Wow! Families will get together today, and we can't stay in the room five minutes with each other. And yet, God wants to spend forever with us. Wow! What if this child in Bethlehem really is the miracle of the manger? What if this Jesus really is who He claims to be? If He is, then you and I have a decision to make. 
It's a matter of eternal significance for every one of us. What we decide about this child born in Bethlehem not only determines our eternal destiny, it determines our earthly direction as well. We cannot accept his claims without also recognizing that he has staked his claim on our lives. If he is who he says he is, then all of his promises are true. He really can wipe away a painful past and take away our burden of guilt and regret. He can give us a whole new reason to live and fill us with the fullness of his love, his life, his grace. It means all of it's true. Made some astonishing claims that carry staggering implications that also led to a faithful choice. Do you believe? Do you believe? We must all consider the question and answer for ourselves. No one can decide for us when it comes to this miracle of the manger. Jesus put the question to his disciples one day. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In Matthew 16. So how will you answer that question? Is Christ who he claimed to be? Do you believe? I think my favorite part of the movie is the final courtroom scene. When Mr. Gailey stands up and is defending Chris Kringle in court. And the prosecutors are saying... There's no claims, there's no proof that he is who he says he is. There's no evidence that will stand up in court. And then Mr. Gailey hands the judge three letters addressed to Santa Claus at the North Pole. And so the prosecutor says, well, that's hardly evidence enough to claim that this man who he is. And so Mr. Gailey then reads about the United States Postal Service and how that they are federally sanctioned to do what they do. And the judge says, is there any more evidence that you can bring forth? And Mr. Gailey then motions to the back and postal carrier after postal carrier after postal carrier brings in bags. And they take them up to the judge's bench and they open the bags and begin to pour the letters to Santa Claus on the, on the judge's bench. Stacked high and the judge wades through it and at the end and says, with this overwhelming evidence and the fact that the U.S. government sanctions this mail, <laughs> he hits the gavel and he declares a mistrial. So the evidence pointed to Chris Kringle as being the real Santa Claus. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence brought forth to prove that you are. Is there anything that you've done in your life or anything that you are doing in your life consistently enough where people could say, oh yeah, testimony after testimony after testimony about who this person is in their walk with God? Or are we Christians in stealth? <laughs> Do people never see Christ in us, the hope of glory?
Do, Christ, do people never see Christ moving in us? Now, you may never stand before a church and preach. That's fine. You may pray for somebody for 30 plus years. I know Jeff told you this story last week. My brother is 68 years old. And to my knowledge, has never been to church. Whenever I've had conversations with him over the 30-year period about Jesus, he would stop me in midstream, say he doesn't want to talk about it, he'll get with me when he does. But he couldn't stop me from praying. So I kept praying. And normally, family members are the last ones who actually have the opportunity to bring you to Christ. But I'm so grateful. And he thanked me. He thanked me. My brother thanked me for driving from Jinx, Oklahoma to Fort Worth, Texas to baptize him into Christ. Is he who he claims to be? In the movie, that final courtroom scene represents the real moment of decision. But when we consider the child Born in Bethlehem, there is an important change, an awesome reversal, a dramatic change of roles for you and for me. When we come before Christ, we do not sit in judgment of Him. In It is Jesus who is Lord and King. This miracle of the manger is God in the flesh. He is judge of all. We don't determine His fate. It is Jesus who will determine our final destiny. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. The miracle of the manger is that God became flesh and lived among us. He came not so that he could send us to eternal punishment, but that he could set us free from the bondage of sin. God became man so that we could become children of God. And John writes in his gospel, chapter 1 and verse 12, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. So if you will open your heart to Christ and trust him to be exactly who he claimed to be, you will not be disappointed. Christ will prepare a place for you, a wonderful new home where you will spend eternity. You will receive a new dad, one who is perfect, who perfectly loves you. Is it possible? Could he be who he claims to be? I believe. I believe. Do you? Let's pray together. Dear God, I, I do believe in the miracle of the manger. I do believe that this child born in Bethlehem is exactly who he claimed to be. He is God in the flesh, the Lord of life, the Savior of all who call upon him in faith. I have known about you, but I want to know you in a way that is real and personal. I want to follow you and experience this miracle of Christmas in my own life. I pray someone is saying right now, God, would you forgive them of their sin would you forgive me of my sin would you fill us with your holy spirit let us know the joy of walking with you throughout our journey on earth and spending forever with you in heaven 
Use us to extend your kingdom here on earth until that day when you return or you call us home. In Jesus' name. Amen. On Christmas Day, there may be somebody in this room that needs to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've strayed. And for some reason, you ended up at church on Christmas Day. What a powerful day to be in church. Perhaps you're carrying some burdens that you just need somebody to pray for you. We have no magic formula, but what we have is a powerful God. So if you're carrying burdens that need to be lifted today, it would be a great day to lift those. Get rid of them. If you have a need of any kind, we always offer an invitation, and today is no exception. Let's stand and let's sing together. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. You need to make a decision, would you, this morning? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Would you be seated just a moment, please? Find your prayer room sheet in your bulletin. Let's mention a couple of those this morning. Uh, continue to pray for Jerry Bruner. She's uh, out of ICY. Uh, 